Good morning. morning. Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, it's Simon's son to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I, am going, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Jesus knew that it was time to say goodbye. Now, he knew it wasn't going to be forever. But he and his closest followers were all facing some difficult moments ahead. While everything would change for the better, just a few days later, by Sunday morning, even then, change for the better would still be different. Jesus wouldn't be physically present with them every day as he had been for the last few years. So here in John chapters 13 through 17, we get to see how Jesus spends some of those precious final moments with his closest followers before Everything changed. And what did Jesus do with it? Well, for starters, he got up and washed feet. Now, you've heard this lesson before, right? I know I've preached it. So you probably already know all about the combination of dusty roads and people that mostly wear sandals and how they didn't sit in chairs, but they reclined at table to eat, and how that made a good foot washing at mealtime a necessity. You've probably heard in lessons all about the culture of that time, how it's really just polite to supply water to a guest who's coming over to eat, at the very least to let them wash their own feet, if not have a household servant do it, and how usually it was the low man on the totem pole among the household servants who would be the ones who would do the foot washing. And maybe that's why we don't see any of Jesus' disciples volunteering to do this here in the upper room in John chapter 13. Because even some of Jesus' closest followers, it appears that they would rather sit and grumble. Maybe they were thinking, oh, someone should, but not Jesus. Jesus saw something that needed done, so he got up and did it. These were some of his final moments with them. And he chose to spend them like this. Why? Well, spoiler alert, it wasn't actually about having dirty feet. Because what did John say from the get-go? was motivating Jesus' actions that night. He said that having loved his own 
who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You see, what Jesus did that night, he was loving them. Even then, by washing feet, that was an opportunity for him to teach them. He knew that they wouldn't understand yet the full significance of what he was doing, but he trusted that later they would. Now, we can't really blame the disciples for their lack of understanding in the moment of what exactly it was Jesus was doing, because what Jesus was doing here is very different from how we as people typically approach endings. Have you ever lived through a situation where you had a co-worker just quit? They just walked out of the workplace, gave no notice, and that was it. And everybody else just had to pick up the pieces. Have you been that co-worker? Or maybe you know the case where, okay, they give the minimum required notice. They put in their two weeks, but it really is the minimum. And not just in terms of time, like in terms of effort. They're there, but not really. They're not really pitching in or helping all that much. You can tell they're just sort of biding their time until they're gone. And you know, that approach to endings, it's not just in how we handle our work. We see that in relationships. If somebody's unhappy in their marriage, just walk away from it. Just walk out. No big deal. Or sometimes we see another extreme where we as people will refuse to acknowledge an end. We'll have parents or grandparents that are getting older. We'll have loved ones that are getting ill. But we won't dare talk about it. We won't do anything different. We'll just act like everything's the same. We'll act like it'll always be just like it is right now. But Jesus wasn't like that. He knew that a time of change had come. And it wasn't a time for his followers to stick their heads in the sand. It wasn't a time for him to just phone it in until he left suddenly. No, now more than ever, it was a time to love and serve. And not just for him personally to love and serve, but for them to learn how to do it too. Because in John chapter 13 and verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you were right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do, just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, Blessed are you if you do them. What Jesus did with his final moments, it was not about doing what was polite or what was expected. It wasn't about clean or dirty feet. Not really. The reason that he made that action a priority was because teaching his disciples to serve was a priority. Because if he, as Lord and teacher, could be that humble. The rest of us have no excuse. There is never a time where any one of us gets to sit back and say, someone should, 
Because Jesus himself gives us the example of rolling up our sleeves and doing it. Do you realize how revolutionary that is? This is what that looks like in practice. Imagine how revolutionary it would be for you as a spouse if instead of getting home after a long day of work, you go, oh, my spouse didn't load the dishwasher. You loaded the dishwasher. If you stopped keeping score, stopped nagging, stopped resenting, and started loving, started serving, that might actually change things. Because arguing really doesn't, does it? Have demanding, even threatening, ever really changed things in a lasting way? No. But humble service and self-sacrificing love, it is so crazy, it just might work. If for a minute, we would stop focusing on what we want, what we expect, what we deserve, on how well, we shouldn't have to. And if we focus instead just on, can I? That's an important place to start. I want to make sure you all realize that. Because Jesus does not expect you to do anything that he hasn't made you able to do. But if you can do something, what if instead we focus on, would it be good? Would it be loving for other people in God's eyes for me to do this? If the answer is yes, do it. Jesus did. And he's Lord and teacher. And we call ourselves his disciples, his followers. Christians, we wear his name. So that means we serve. We serve our families at home. We serve our co-workers, our customers, and our workplaces. We serve a church. You know what happens when we do? We're blessed. We experience happiness that comes from enjoying God's favor. And that's a fuller, richer, more enduring happiness than simply getting our way could ever produce. And we know this. Like I already said, you've heard this before. We just need to do it. Especially when the times in our lives are changing. Because love it or hate it, I'm about to leave. And things will be different. Now, for some of us, in some ways, that will be a little painful at first. But we can have hope that that change is going to work out for good. And it's not because of you or me or the next guy. Because of God. Because when we love Him, 
He has a way of working things together for good. Even the tough stuff that we go through in life can help us be more like Jesus. But an important way that we work with him in that is remembering what Jesus said. It's remembering the priorities he set and the example he left when it was his time to say goodbye. You see, I want to make sure it's crystal clear here that if at any point in the next three months, six months, year, year and a half, something doesn't happen, and our excuse is because we didn't have a minister, we could have packed the pulpit, but we didn't have a minister. We could have had a good class for the fifth and sixth graders, but we didn't have a minister. Someone died, but nobody went to comfort them because we didn't have a minister. Shame on us. Because that's not an excuse. That's not the example of Jesus. According to Jesus, this time of change, isn't a time to retreat. It's not a time to sit back and watch from the sidelines to see how it all is going to shake out. Jesus tells us when we are faced with change, that is our time to get up, grab a towel, and serve. And not just those that are easy to love and serve. Because listen to what Jesus said next. In John chapter 13 and verse 18, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his and testified Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I'll give this morsel of bread when I dip so when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Scanner. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money back. Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So... After receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out. And it was night. You know, I do imagine it was a lot easier for Jesus to wash John's feet than it was for him to wash Judas' feet. Because you do realize that, right? While washing their feet, Jesus knew what Judas had already done. He knew what Judas was about to do. He knew all of the pain 
that he'd personally endured because of it. And he washed Judas' feet anyway. And even as he washed the other disciples' feet, he knew that they were going to flake. He knew that they were going to desert him, that they deny even knowing him. Peter, worst of all, he did all sort of chest thumping that night about how much he loved Jesus, about how far he was willing to go for it. Yet Peter would deny even knowing him at least three different times before the next morning. And Jesus knew it. He knew all of that. And he still washed their feet. He didn't serve because they deserved it. He served because they needed it. It wasn't that they were qualified, that they had passed some minimum threshold to be worthy of an investment of Jesus' time and attention. Jesus gave it freely, just like he gave his life freely, without a guaranteed return on investment. He gave just with the hope that by treating them differently, that by giving them an example, that that service and love he was doing would eventually change things. We realize that, right? That it's not enough for us to just love and serve the lovable servants. Because there are some people that it's easy to do things for. Because as soon as you do it, they are so appreciative. Or there's someone that you just have so much in common with, or someone that's done so much for you, so it's only natural that you do something back for them. But Jesus is teaching. Jesus is doing something more than that. He's showing us to serve people who don't deserve it. He's showing us to love and serve people where it might not make an immediate difference. Because Jesus washed his feet and Judas still went out and betrayed him that night. Peter still denied him that night. But like Jesus, we're called to serve in hope. The hope that later some at least will understand. That later some at least will eventually remember what he did. That they'll learn from it. That they'll do it themselves. And that they'll be blessed. As we face change, loving and serving like this have to be our priorities. Because in John 13, 31 through 35, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while, I'm with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is what matters most in all areas of life. This should be the defining characteristic for us as Christians. It should be the defining characteristic for who we are as Christians at home. Loving your spouse matters more than if chores are done. 
as a Christian in the workplace, humbly serving your co-workers in love matters more than just chasing whatever opportunity pays the most. And especially in church. You see, learning to love and serve matters more than if the next minister is an older guy or a younger guy. Learning to love and serve matters more if the next minister is a guy who's a little more focused on doctrine or a little more focused on real-life application. Learning to love and serve like Jesus matters more than if the next guy is who you want, who you hope most it is. Because it might not be. And that's okay. You realize that, right? How many new and beloved faces are there sitting here with us right now that weren't here five years ago? Look around. How many people are sitting here now that were not in this auditorium five years ago that you could not imagine not having as a part of your life, that you could not imagine not worshiping with every day? And you know what? Their personal favorite song leader currently may not have been who was leading singing the first time they visited. Do you realize that? Whoever read the scripture may have whispered. Whoever was on the table may have rambled. And odds are, they don't even remember. You know what I guarantee you they do remember? Love. They remember when everyone loves the Lord so much that no matter who is leading singing, even though we don't have any instruments, we must be really poor. I wonder if someone would give us a donation so we could buy us a piano. They notice everyone sings. They love the Lord. They love each other so much. We all just sing. They remember the love when people were like, Genuinely excited to meet them. There was none of this. We were actually excited to like meet them. There were like people lining up, waiting to take the turn to hug them and tell them how happy we were there. That's the stuff that they remembered. And not just here. People remember the love that that cute little grandma at the gym showed them when she prayed for them. The love that she had for God, the love that she had for them, the love that she had for her church. Or they remember that love that their physical therapist or their doctor had for them. Or that their patients sitting in there in the exam had for them. Or their friends at book club showed them. Because that love, that is what matters most. Now, to be clear, if we can grow in the other stuff, that's awesome. When we have song leaders that are willing to try new songs, 
that are willing to do different approaches, that will try to engage us all in singing more, that's great. Shouldn't be upset about that. That's a really cool thing. Everyone sitting in here being able to comfortably hear? Man, that'd be nice. Don't know too many ministers that have to drag out a mic on a wire and use their cell phone to record the sermon, but I mean, hey, we'll work with what we got. So that'd be great if we could upgrade a little bit, right? Like, that's all, that'd be some nice stuff. Having a speaker that's engaging? All of that is good. But what matters most, what matters most to people, what matters most to Jesus is love. There's no way around it. There's no way around it when you as a Christian come home to your family from a stressful day. There's no way around it when you as a Christian decide to pursue a new work opportunity. There's no way around it as a Christian dealing with the reality of age or illness. There's no way around it as a member of a church that's trying to choose a new minister and start the next chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not loved, I'm a noisy gong for a clean zone. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And we might say, if I preach baptism for the remission of sins, if I believe in singing a cappella, if I partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday, if I make sure my church has autonomous local elders, but have not love, I am nothing. There were tough times ahead for Jesus and his disciples. That very night, there would be the denial, there would be the arrest, there would be a trial. The next day, There'd be his crucifixion. There'd be death. There'd be separation. Jesus knew things were about to change. And this is where he focused. This is what he discussed. This is what he demonstrated. Love and service. More than anything else, this would be what would carry them through the difficult times and eventually move them forward into better times. They had just a little bit of time left to get. So love and service were his priorities. You know what? They're his priorities for us too.